Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info you need to make yourself a smarter better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is like a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is, is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, promo code SGP. Thank you for coming to the podcast, the MMA Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Damn mediocre boys are back. I don't even know if we can, <laughs> if we can call ourselves mediocre at this point. We may have to be, we may have been downgraded to middling, perhaps. I think middling is worse than mediocre. But anyhow, I'm Jeff Fox, one of one of those mediocre boys. I am your host. Uh, episode 17. Our little baby's growing up. It's 17 already. Um, I also am an editor and writer at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and I run MMA-Manifesto.com. Make sure you check out all those sites. Um, and yes, I'm only one half of the mediocre boys. I have a, a partner in crime here. He hosts Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and he ho- also hosts Prelim Picker Podcast. Um, he's just as mediocre as I am. Um, some people refer to him as the hillbilly beaver um, other, <laughs> others refer to him as gumby um we'll call him daniel vreeland uh for our, our uh, purposes here hello daniel hey what's up man <laughs> not much our, our picks aren't aren't up that's for sure they're down from what we had a decent week two weeks ago then this week uh we both pulled a, a four for eight yeah, not, not a great four for eight, but again, and I, I'm saying this to our listeners every week, if you want to turn this podcast off halfway through, just remember right. our prelims continue to win you money because uh, I, I was looking you know, pretty damn good before it kicked over to the main card. I was granted only three for three, but a profitable three for three. Right, and you started it off with uh, you got two right right off the bat, Sergey Spivak, and then you got the plus 170 sweet sweet plus money um pick with amon zahabi so these things started off hot for you and, right at the gate and and once again you've underestimated a canadian probably right. for like the you know 17 shows in i'm pretty sure you've underestimated a canadian half a dozen times yeah well, um, that's one pick i don't mind whiffing on if uh if he uh if a canadian wins and i didn't pick him that's fine i i, I can live with that one uh plus um probably on on Whittenly, uh on his behalf, he retweeted my uh, my picks column uh, from last week where I picked him to lose <laughs> and sent it out and sent it out to all his followers. So he obviously didn't uh, didn't read uh, beforehand before he sent that out to his followers. But I was wrong, so the joke's on me anyhow. In the end, yeah, and and he looked great doing it too. You know, like I think when we broke it down, I said, you know, like part of me still wants to believe it's the same Iman Sahabi 
who won his debut three and a half years ago and three years ago was beating Hakardo Hamosh pretty badly before he took a spinning elbow. Uh, I, I wanted to believe that that Ayman Zahabi still existed in there, and especially being, you know, long layoffs scare everybody, but when you're the little brother of one of the greatest trainers of all time, you, you got a little bit more faith in what was happening in the off uh, time. But I, I was hoping that same version was there, and it, not only was that same version that's there, I'd say a better version was there. Yeah, he he looked very good. He definitely looked very good. Those, the prelims. Uh, of course, we're speaking of of last week's UFC fight night: Blades versus Lewis, aka UFC Vegas 19. I think people also call it UFC Fight Night. I don't know, 187 or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. But regardless, that's that's what we're, we are speaking of. Um, prelims were pretty pretty hot, uh, pretty hot stuff. Uh, all finishes except for except for the the main event of the prelims. Yeah, and that one was a good fight too. I would say, right. you know, they they wound up not giving away a bonus uh, for fight of the night. And I would say, if I was going to give a fight of the night, it was down to that or Derek Minner versus Charles Rosa. That Jared Gordon Danny Chavez fight at that that top of the prelims was really fun to watch. And and actually, uh, you know, I, I know some people probably get a little bit bored with the the Jared Gordon grappling, but I, I think some of the things he was doing on the ground were just so impressive against a guy is physically strong and who showed really good takedown defense in his debut in Danny Chavez. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you saw me on, on the, um, on the merits of Danny Chavez and, uh, you saw me, a a uh, a broken dream, <laughs> a broken dream. You saw me a, um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going for here. Cause I'm tired as per usual, but yeah, you, uh, he, he didn't, I, I guess he looked fine, but he, he didn't get the win over, over Jared Gordon, who isn't exactly top of the line, uh, in the UFC at this point, at least. No. And, and, and it's worth noting too, that he, he does get a little bit of Jared Gordon's purse, uh, for Gordon missing weight. That was right, a whole yeah. catastrophe. There were so many weight misses. <laughs> Uh, Drago Rodriguez came in chubby, you know, uh, Jared Gordon came in big, uh, Ketlin Vieta came in big, and then freaking uh, another one of our picks, which we don't even get to talk about because he never fought and probably never will fight in the UFC as far as I'm concerned. Rafael Alves came in heavy for lightweight <laughs> in a featherweight, a featherweight fight. fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he came in eleven and a half pounds over overweight. He was what, hundred and fifty seven and a half? Is that right? Hundred and fifty seven and a half for the hundred and forty five pound right. weight limit. Plus, you know, you get a, a pound out allowance for a non title fight. But yeah, so yeah. eleven and a half pounds and that's given the extra pound. If it was right. you know, like title fight type stuff, he'd actually have been twelve and a half pounds over the limit. Yeah, uh, that's one of the um this is another lame excuse because every week we have to come up with excuses why we whiff on things. But one of the um, one of the detriments of, of doing this podcast before the actual do weigh-ins is um, we don't get to see who misses weight because fighters who miss weight uh, have only won what thirty. I'm looking at my stats here, thirty-four percent of the time since the starting of 2020. So it's quite a, a detriment to um, to miss weight, and quite a few fighters missed weight as Dan said this past week and we had, uh, or I, I, I think I might've had all of them picked. Um, so I had, uh, Draco picked also. So that's, that's the reason why I whiffed on, on someone you picked is I didn't know these people were going to be fat when, when we in time rolled, rolled around. I don't think I would have changed my, so I already had Zahabi. So he was the one who didn't yeah. miss weight. And I already had Danny Chavez, uh, who was again, the one who didn't miss weight. I do think I would have changed Ketlin Vieira, though, because she's already uh, kind of large. 
she's already somebody who doesn't maybe have the greatest cardio in the whole world. Um, so for her to be fighting somebody like Yana Kunitskaya, I, I thought she would dominate the grappling, and she did. However, the end of the second round, she looked really tired. That round kind of got stolen by Yana Kunitskaya. And then, you know, just getting it poured on right at the end there by Kunitskaya, too, wound up costing her. So, yeah, that one I definitely would have taken a second look at and definitely not felt good about Vieta's price tag at that. Um, whereas right. originally I was all about it. Yeah, she was minus 275 when we recorded uh, the podcast last week. Um, top of the card, all three, the top three fights, all uh, underdogs uh, hit in all those all those fights, including Derek Lewis, who was the biggest uh, underdog main event winner since I think it said Bisbing versus Luke Rockhold, which was quite a long time ago. Um, but he was like plus three, plus 400, somewhere in that range, that, I believe. That's uh, incredible. I, I didn't hear that stat, but that is incredible that there hasn't been a bigger underdog on the in the main event. I guess that's because you don't usually see big main event underdogs, but that's uh that's really impressive, and it also makes me feel better about not giving Derek Lewis a single chance. Right. Yeah. We well, we said with someone who punches as hard as, as or at least I wrote this, I believe we said it also. Anybody who punches as hard as, as he does, you know, there's there's always a shot. Um, and he definitely hit Curtis Blades hard. Blades look very he looked very wary of of uh, engaging with with uh, Lewis, probably for good reason. And he looked very wary of, of shooting takedowns. And that probably was for good reason also, because when he did shoot for one, he got himself knocked out. Yeah. And, and it looked like, I guess I would just say, you know, the, the thing that got him caught against Francis Naganu too, was like that he didn't mask his takedown attempt really well, you know, and, and Francis tagged him. And it almost seemed like the tentativeness with the hands made it easier for Derek Lewis to see the shot coming. Um, you know, like e even if, if Blades was just throwing a little bit more like blind volume, like soft jabs, not intended to do any damage, just racking up, you know, strike attempts, I, I think it would have masked his takedown attempts enough that Lewis wouldn't have just been able to perfectly time that one up. But I think his lack of, you know, you said it, it seemed almost like he was tentative striking, which he should be. Uh, but that like the, the level of which he was tentative, I, I think made it so easy for, for Lewis to time that up and, and props to Lewis. He, he looked good in there. Yeah. He looked as, as wild and reckless and sloppy as ever with his, legs splaying all over the place when he's throwing punches and uh, looking at the ground when he's throwing uppercuts. I, I would love for this man to, to be heavyweight champ someday. I don't know if he's ever going to even get a title shot. Cause he's that, had one uh, already. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I mean one in, in the current climate we're in now because we have another, we have a title fight coming up what next month. And then apparently John Jones is jumping line to, as next in line for that. And who, who knows uh, if Lewis, um, will will be in line after that. He he may have lost a fight by that time. Who knows? But uh, I would love to see uh, him as as UFC heavyweight champ. It would certainly sell all kinds of pay per views if you put him versus John Jones for the belts. Man, oh my God, the press conferences alone would be wonderful. Yeah, that would be that would be fun times for sure. Uh, so um, we talked about Blades. We talked about Vieira. Um, Kuniskaya looked great in that fight, even even grappling. She she looked great, which was uh, very impressive. Um, and then Charles Rosa got out grappled big time by uh, 
by Minner. Um, Minner looked very, 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 very good in that fight, going up against a, a guy who we thought was a superior grappler to him. That's actually two in a row where I felt that about uh, Derek Minner. Yeah, Derek Minner I had as a, you know, uh, inferior grappler when he beat TJ Laramie by guillotine. And, and I think maybe I wrote that off at the end of the day because, you know, it's a guillotine and, and sometimes guys just get caught in guillotines. Uh, but no, he looked like the, the real deal. And, and it's also funny too, looking back, we, we've written off his uh, his grappling a little bit. And if you look, it's probably because his, his both his contender series loss and his uh, debut were losses by submission, so you, you would expect, you know, maybe he's not all that great on the ground against high-level competition, but man, was he fighting really high-level competition in uh, Herbert Burns and, and Grant Dawson, so now that we're seeing him, you know, just a step down from those guys, he's looking great. Yep, most definitely, and uh, the commentators were making uh, a good point to to put over his coach, James Cross, who seems to be pumping out, pumping out a lot of a lot of uh, quality talent out of out of glory MMA as of late. Yeah, yeah, that that camp seems to just keep churning out uh, guys and, and bringing people on too to make them way better because the it's not just even developing the talent. Like he brought in, uh, I was I was blown away with the the difference in Gina Mazzani after she went down to to flyweight, which was uh, I, I think in part working with him and working with a nutritionalist. But man, did she look good down a weight class, having worked with him for a few months? Um, so yeah, not enough can be said about what he's doing uh, for people in, in the gym as a coach, and, and all while still keeping his career going. Yep, no doubt. Um, then your boyfriend got submitted, Andre Arlovsky. Um, got busted up pretty bad too by Tom Aspinall, but um, I, he he didn't look any any worse for wear than he has in any of his past fights. And I still think he's got, he's got plenty of gas in the tank. It wasn't uh, an ugly loss by any means. No. And, and I, you know, I, I had mentioned one of the reasons I was picking him was not only the value there at, you know, negative, you know, plus 220 or 250 or wherever you were getting him at, but also because like I, I was worried about how Aspinall would look in the second and third round. And, to be fair, I think Aspinall was also worried about how he was going to look in the second round. That's why we saw that monster shot and, and him jump right on the back. And, and props to him for being able to take it and being able to put the submission in right away. And for his, you know, damn, his choking look, looked so tight for Arlovsky to have tapped that quick. Um, but, but like, you know, he went out looking to grapple in the second round clearly for a reason. He, he wasn't really confident he could put Arlovsky away on the feet anymore, and he had poured it on Arlovsky in the first. So, yeah, uh, I, I think the read was right on that one, but uh, ultimately Aspinall had an answer for it. So, so uh, of the two up-and-coming uh, heavyweights who um, I'll exclude Spivak, uh, Spivak sorry, because I don't think he's really an up-and-comer at this point at least, um, who are you liking better out of Dawkus and Chris Dawkus? And is it Chris Dawkins? It's Chris two Dawkins. Yeah, right. Kyle his is his younger brother. Right. He's 185. Yes. Uh, and yeah, right. Chris, the older brother. I, I yeah, think Chris, I like, Chris or Aspinall. Yeah, yeah I, I think I like Aspinall better as a prospect. Um, mostly because, of, and I don't mean to be this uh, like disparaging towards Chris Dawkins because I, I do like him a great deal as well. But I just don't know what the ceiling is for somebody with the physical attributes of Chris Dawkins. Because not that he's not very talented. He showed he was able to get out of the grasp of, of you know, Alexi Olenek and back up and 
man, did he pour it on him too. And, and, you know, was able to get the finish. You know, we've seen him knock out Parker Porter, which is incredible. Um, I, I just worry about a guy who is not very, like, he's not very physically strong for a heavyweight, right? Like, he is not, he doesn't look like Francis Naganu. He doesn't look like Curtis Blades. He doesn't look like uh, Stipe Miocic. Like, he's a lighter guy for the division and not a lighter guy in, like, a super fit, can go 25 minutes type way. Um, and maybe he can go 25 minutes. I don't know. But, like, I just worry about a guy who's, not super physically strong in a division of guys who are all crazy. I mean, like there are guys built like Tom Aspinall, right? Like Tom Aspinall looks like a linebacker in the NFL. So like Chris Dawkins doesn't look like a linebacker in the NFL. And that's not saying he can't be successful there. But if you look at the top 15, you know, and he'll be in the top 15, I I dare you to find anybody else who looks like he does. So it, it just gives me a little hesitation in talking about whether or not you know, he's a future title challenger or not. There's just not a lot of guys who have been successful in this era of fighting at heavyweight that look like Chris Dawkins. So I'm worried a little bit about that. So to sum it up, hashtag chunky guy. Yeah, he's he's a hashtag chunky guy. (laughs) Yeah. And not not for nothing, he's also, um, I believe, full-time uh, Philadelphia a police officer also. So it's not like he's both feet are in the in the fight game. It sounds like he wants to become a full-time fighter, but at this this point, that's that's not the um, not the case with him. So you, you can't uh, put that past either. You only fifty thousand dollars bonus last week, so that, that might help him in his goal to to become an actual full-time fighter. But yeah, the only. Well, uh, Sorry, go ahead. It, it doesn't seem to stop uh, the champ, though, because the champ is also a, a, a full-time firefighter in addition to uh, to, to being a fighter. So uh, I suppose there is a, a path there. And I just looked it up, too, by the way. His weigh-in for this past fight was 130 or 234 pounds. So, like, you know, he's 30 pounds lighter than somebody like Francis Naganu, and, like, not just 30 pounds of muscle, probably 50 pounds of muscle. So... Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, once again, kind of alarming for that division. So he basically is a light heavyweight, uh, that's not in shape. He, he, he could cut, he could probably cut the 205. I mean, it would be extreme. It would probably yeah. take more than just like a cut, right? Like it, it's probably not, it's probably not, uh, he could cut to that weight, but he could, if Get he dieted well cut. and got super yeah. in shape, right? Like yeah. he, whereas like in order for Tom Aspinall to make light heavyweight, he'd have to lose his left leg. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So anyhow, it was it was a fun night for heavyweights. Um, before we move off it, heading back to the main event, what do you see next for Derek Lewis, or what would you like to see next for him? So I think the answer kind of for both guys uh, is 100% contingent upon what happens this weekend coming up between uh, the fight where we will be talking about later on, Yair Rosenstrike versus Serial Gain. Um, I just think... Uh, the most sense right now make is like a little mini contender tournament with Lewis blades, Rosenstreich gone. Uh, and like, just let the winners fight and the losers fight. Um, because what's going to happen is Naganu fights, uh, Steve I, I mean, if by some miracle Naganu wins that fight, which I think is a real possibility, he's going to fight Jones. And then most likely he's going to fight Steve again. Um, so like these other guys can't just wait for whatever is going to happen between those three to shake out. I mean, best case scenario for somebody like Derek Lewis, um, you know, Stipe wins again. So that way Naganu uh, isn't, you know, looking, they're, they're not looking for that trilogy. Then he fights John Jones. 
and then you get the winner of that. But in order to get the winner of that, you know, I imagine one of these two guys who are about to fight this weekend are going to come away looking impressive as well. So you're going to have to fight one of those two probably in order to make sure that you're next in that queue. Yep. Makes it makes sense to me. Um, and it seems most all the guys involved realize their their fate also, and they realize that a title shot is a title shot is is nowhere in in sight really. Um, re- realistically, it's going to be years away. So, especially if um, Miocic keeps a belt because he likes to take lots of time off because, like Dan said, he's a firefighter also. So, um, anyhow, uh, heavyweight's interesting though. That, that's that's to say the least. Um, so. Put a ball on that. A four and eight week for us. Uh, Dan lost a little less money than I lost uh, overall for the year. I'm 28 and 37, which is horrifically like 43%. And Dan's like even worse than that. He's 22 and 43. But this week is all going to change, right, Dan? That's right. We're going to change it. This is the profitable week. Okay. Before we, we go into this week, let's tell you about one of our sponsors here. Let's tell you about BetQL. I want to get an advantage over the sports book when it comes to betting. Then you need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets. BetQL has sharp data for college basketball, NBA, and the NHL. So if you want an inside edge for who the props are backing, you need to check out BetQL. Also, I was just, just on there this morning. They also have uh, futures and stuff for NFL on there. So uh, you can check that out also if football's more your sport. Uh, plus, they have tons of sports book offers for your state. So head to the App Store or Google Play Store and download BetQL. Um, and when you're there, of course, enter the code SGP30 for 30% off your first subscription. So promo code SGP30 at betql.com. All right, up to this week, the UFC train continues to roll on, of course. Uh, no rest for the wicked. We've got UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Gone, which would be UFC Vegas 20. Um, also known as UFC Fight Night 186, also known as UFC, UFC and ESPN Plus 44. So <laughs> pick what you like there. Uh, it's February 27th, UFC Apex in Las Vegas, where they are um, holding shows for the time being until they are allowed to move around the states again or until they head back to the Fight Island. Who knows? Um, just going to check the start times. I believe both sets of the cards. Yeah, ESPN Plus for the prelims, ESPN Plus for the main card also. Um, if you're in the States, if you're in Canada, it'll be on TSN 5, even though this weekend I turned TSN 5 on and they have golf on for all the prelims <laughs> and for part of the main card, they have golf on. So, uh, thank you TSN for that. So they, everyone missed it, it, their, our native son, Amen Zahabi, uh, win. Um, oh, there is a Canadian this week. I forgot. I just saw her name. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, am I going to go against Canadian again? And I just saw Alexis Davis's name. So. Um, I get sidetracked easily here. A main card, 5 p.m. Um, and then the uh, sorry, the prelims, 5 p.m. Main card, 8 p.m. So basically, same as this this week, which works well. Uh, doesn't end too late. It allows me to get my MMA dash manifesto stuff out at, at a reasonable hour of of the night slash early morning. So um, as per usual, we will start with the prelims. They're up to like the fight. Um, Last week's fight card, they were still announcing fights uh, for this card. So at this point, we've got 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13. So they may add more. 13, um, usually cards are anywhere between, what, 12 and 15. So um, could be adding more. But at this 
point, uh, we're going to f- break down what, like I said, 13 fights. Uh, let's start with a short notice one that was just added. It's going to be a catchweight 145, 140, excuse me, pound bout. Uh, Raoni Barcelos versus a newcomer, Marcelo Rojo. Or Rojo, I'm assuming it's Rojo probably, because he's probably Brazilian, I'm guessing. Argentine. Um, Dan probably... Argency, I was going to say Dan now. So it's, probably, it's, it's probably Rojo anyhow, is it, is it not? It is Rojo, yes, correct. All right, there we go. Let, let's break him down first. Um, 16 and 6 as a pro, uh, half of those wins via knockouts, so eight knockouts, six submissions. So he is a finisher. Um, one thing of note, he has lost four, uh, four of his six defeats are via submission. Um, he's won three of his last four, uh, but he hasn't fought since September of 2019. He will be an inch uh of reach uh advantage on barcelos uh he's a year younger and this is his ufc debut and this is short notice this was just like announced last week i believe uh he's going up against a guy who's who's on a tear uh Rione barcelos 16 and 1 as a pro eight knockouts two submissions he's 5 and 0 in the ufc he's won nine straight fights um there's no betting line on this fight uh yet as of this recording what do you think the line's going to be first uh, if I had to guess, um, I'm, you do. Gonna, I'm gonna say negative 350 for Barcelos. Like th- this, okay. is, this is gonna be ridiculously one-sided. Um, yeah. And you know, it, we can get right into it. It should be ridiculously one-sided. Yes. Because, because yes. like you said, Bar- Barcelos five-fight win streak, and it's not just a five-fight win streak either, right? Because like you could say a, f- a five-fight win streak. He's done that five-fight win streak over guys like Chris Gutierrez who since Chris Gutierrez has lost to Rayoni Barcelos, uh, he's 3-0 in the UFC. Or, or, or Actually, I take that back. He's 4-0-1 since then. So he's been on a five-fight, uh, you know, undefeated streak because he did have that one draw to Cody Durden in there since he lost to Barcelos. And, and he also beat Sednar Megamedov, who's been good since then, and Khalid Taha. And they've had him booked against... Cody Stamen, Mirab Tvalishvili, and this fight was supposed to be against Hepaela Sunsau. So we're, we're, we're talking about a guy who they're very high on. He's very good. And in addition to that, he's the one with the full training camp here. And, and you mentioned, you know, Rojo's got a bunch of knockouts. If you've watched highlights of him, because Kabate has got all their stuff on, on YouTube, so you can go watch pretty much all the old fights. You know, like, First of all, he hasn't fought in two and a half years. That That's the first, like, whoop, that's an alarm. And second of all, if you watch that fight, too, he's a little bit sloppy with his striking. He gets a little wild in there. And against a guy who's got great jiu-jitsu, great top pressure, and good submissions. You mentioned he's only got two, but his, like, top game and submission game is pretty strong. I mean, I think he's just going to run through uh, Rojo here and probably... I mean, he could submit him, he could ground and pound him out, but I expect to finish here, especially because the aforementioned, uh, actually, we didn't get into talking about John Castaneda um, from this past week's card who who knocked out Eddie Wineland, but he submitted uh, Rojo um, three years ago, which is only his second to last fight, um, but, you know, like, there's no reason to pick against Barcelos here if you don't like the big fat odds that are coming in, like I said, probably around negative 350. You know, you might want to stay away from betting them, but I actually think even there you're probably finding value. And I really enjoyed that uh, alarm sound that you made during that. It was good. We should – can you do it again? I, I did not hear an alarm sound in there. Did you, I, did you, 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 you made an alarm sound. You said that, that should set off alarms, and you went, whoop. Oh. Like really <laughs> I like it. That, that may have to be a new staple on the show, Dan uh, Dan making an alarm sound. You don't, you don't even realize you did it. It was so natural for you. 
um, looking at his resume, you know, he's he's fought good guys, and Combate is is a very good uh, very good promotion. So hopefully he uh, he sticks around. Uh, hopefully they keep him around after he gets destroyed this this weekend. Yeah, I, I think he he's a good signing. Um, I yeah. I think he probably was on their short list of guys who would be in like this summer's contender series or something like that, and that's why he was like, yeah. all ready to go. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on, we'll go with light heavyweights next. This is uh, this order of the fights are probably going to um, be scrambled up a bit once fight night comes. But as of now, this is what people are expecting the order to be. Um, light heavyweights: Dustin Jacoby, Maxim Grishin. Let's start with Grishin. Thirty-one, eight and two as a pro. Sixteen knockouts, six submissions. Uh, he's one and one in the UFC. Um, he had an before the UFC he had an impressive run in the PFL. He was 4-0 and 2 uh, in them. Uh, he lost his UFC debut and then won his last fight. Uh, he's got two inches of reach on Jacoby. He's got the grappling advantage, and he, as of this recording, he's at plus 135 dog. Uh, Jacoby 13 and 5 uh, as a pro, one knockout, nine submissions. He's been in the UFC a couple times. This is his second run in the UFC. He's one and two in the UFC. Um, he went 0 and 2 his first run, and then he uh, got re-signed and won his last fight. Um, he also was one and 0 in the Dana White Contender Series. He's 0 and 2 in Bellator, 0 1 in World Series of Fighting. So he's had uh, top level experience for quite a while now. Um, he's got three straight wins on his resume currently. He's four years younger. He's at minus 165. Um, I have Jacoby with a question mark, so I'm not sure if I'm picking him or not. We'll, we'll see what Dan uh, has to say first. So the first thing I would say is if you, you look at those stats, like you mentioned, uh, this is a good one to put in context here. So those stats do involve his first stint in the UFC, uh, which it, it's worth mentioning was nine years ago. Uh, he was 20, he was 23 years old at the time he was in the UFC last uh, so, like, I, I barely count those fights and I barely count those stats. I think I like Jacoby here, too, because he's just the more technical of the strikers. I don't really see Grishin being able to drag this into a grappling match. You know, he's shown some grappling, but also, like, you know, Jordan Johnson put him on his back a few times in PFL, um, which show, that doesn't show a lot. Jordan Johnson's a great, great wrestler and was, you know, in the top 15 in the UFC before he got into some kind of contract dispute and wound up in PFL. Uh, so like, I think Grishin is probably, you know, better than his one in one record, you know, would indicate one of those was at heavyweight against Marcin Tibera, which is never a fun debut to have. Uh, so like, I think both are probably here to stay for a little while, but I like Jacoby slightly better on the feet. I will say when you're looking at the price tagging, getting him at negative, almost negative 200, right? You said negative 175. 165, yeah. 165, yeah. I don't think I like that price. I I think this is probably a little closer to a pick'em, but I'm still going to take Jacoby here. Okay, so we're we're both going with with Jacoby then. You you sold me on that. Um, That is – let's move on. I don't know why I'm trailing your bats, but regardless, let's (laughs) let's move on. Uh, Bantamweights, uh, Vince Cacero, Ronnie Lawrence. Um, A uh, couple couple of – well, Cacheros had one fight, but a couple of newbies here, so Dan can fill us in because he knows about all these guys, obviously. Always. He doesn't know if they're going to win or lose, but he knows about them at least. Um, Cachero, 7-3 and three as a pro, two knockouts, two submissions. He lost his UFC debut. He's only won one fight out of his last four, um, and he is a plus-140 dog. As for the debuting Ronnie Lawrence, he's coming in off the Dana White Contender Series. He won his fight in 
there to get him into the big show here. Six and one is a pro. Half of those are via knockouts, so three knockouts. He's never been finished in a fight. Um, he's won three straight. He's got two inches of height, three years younger. Uh, small sample size, but grappling stats uh, lean to him. He's at minus 170. Uh, I think I'm leaning to Lawrence, but I really don't know too much about him. So we'll, we'll see what you say about him first. So, so at first glance, I was also leaning towards Lawrence. And, and then I went and watched some film. L- Lawrence does a, did a phenomenal job in the Contender Series grounding Jose Johnson you know, like pretty much whenever he wanted. But if you actually go back and look at Jose Johnson's record and Jose Johnson's last, you know, couple of losses, that that's always been kind of the knock on Johnson is that he, he can't out grapple somebody, you know, like Le- uh, Levi Molis uh, beat him on uh, in uh, XKO, which is an organization I didn't know too much about. Um, same thing, rear naked choke, dragged him to the ground, beat him up there. Armando Villarreal, who had fought Draco Rodriguez on Contender Series, dragged him to the ground and sort of grounded him out in, in LFA and, and people who will stand and punch with him get knocked out by him. But if you can get him down, like he just doesn't get up very well. He, you know, puts in butterfly hooks and stuff like that. So ultimately what I saw from Ronnie Lawrence on the contender series, while it really impressed Dana White for some reason, he, he gave him all kinds of accolades for that fight. I actually wasn't all that impressed with his performance, especially he didn't seem to be able to move past Jose Johnson's guard or, you know, didn't get much done on the ground. I think Cachero here is probably better on the feet than Lawrence, too. He's a little bit more reckless. You know, he could get taken down in his debut. He took a short notice fight against Jamal Emmers, which uh, hopefully he recovers because that was another weird cancellation this past weekend with his back spasms. But I think Cachero has probably got the advantage on the feet here. And if he can just stop one or two of those takedowns, I think he's going to beat Lawrence on points here. And, 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 hey, you know, like you said, he's, he's a tough guy to stop. He's never been stopped. But, you know, Cachero's got some hands, too. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cachero stun him or something like that, too. So I'm going to go with Cachero here as, as an underdog pick early in the card. Hmm. Do I follow that or not? Looking at Cachero's record, he's only really lost the, the top guys. He's lost to what? Casey Kenny. Um, he lost to Jamal Amherst. So, all right, let's do it, Dan. Let's do it. Uh, I need some underdogs anyhow. So let's both take him. Um, we'll go with Cachero, and we'll both be wrong. Wrong together. Um, <laughs> moving on to a couple guys I know a bit more about. Light heavyweights, William Knight, Alonzo Minifield. Um, we will start with uh, – let's start with Knight. Um, he is 9-1 as a pro. Eight of those wins coming via knockout. 1-0 in the UFC. 2-0 in the Dana White Contender Series. He's won three straight fights. Uh, he's a year younger. Striking and grappling stats are in his favor. This fight is currently a uh, pick em. They're both at minus 115. As for Minifield, 9-2 and two as a pro. Eight knockouts, one submission. So all finishes for him. 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Uh, he won his two to start off and then dropped his last two. And he got knocked out his last fight also. Uh, he also was 2-0 and oh on Dana White Contender Series. And he's 3-0 and oh in LFA. 1-0 oh in Bellator. So he's, he's had a lot of top-level experience. Two inches taller, three inches of reach, minus 115. Uh, I think I'm going to take Knight in this one. I'm going to differ with you on this one then. I'm, okay. I'm going to take Menafield. Uh, my problem with Knight is, uh, so uh, Knight is very sloppy. And, and at light heavyweight, that doesn't always get you caught, right? Like, But, like, look at his fight on the Contender Series with Cody Bundage. Uh, like, he wound up on the ground underneath him and then just kind of muscled up and just stood up and moved Cody and then just won with elbows, 
Right, you know, and it happened in like two and a half minutes, which is crazy. But like you could say the same thing about some of those positions with Alexa Kamer, which he wound up winning that decision, but it wasn't really pretty. And in both of those guys are like the types that just muscle up and get out of position. So they were actually built for each other. But like if you look back at guys who he's fought, who he, he could actually like stop some of the things he did, you know, like Tiffon Chukwi, who, who granted now is in the UFC as well. You know, in his third professional fight, knocked William Knight cold, right? Like, busted and bad. And I just think Alonzo Menafield, granted, he did lose to Ovin St. Preux. He lost a tough decision to Devin Clark where he gassed out. I just think he's so much smarter when it comes to this. You're going to see him with a better gas tank as the fight goes on here. I also think he's just the type of person who is good enough to punish William Knight when he makes some of those inevitable mistakes. Sure. Could he get caught before that? Absolutely. Could William Knight power out of a position and, and wind up punishing him? I think that's less likely than it is in all of William Knight's previous fights. So I'm going to go with Menafield here. And I, I think it's smart that this fight is a pick em fight. Um, you know, because because like, you know, they're, they're light heavyweights. We don't know too, too much about. But, you know, Menafield's also got the, the Fortis MMA on his side. And, and that always, you know, if it's a close one, that's always the edger for me. Yep, no doubt. Um... All right. Before we see if I am a uh, if I <laughs> if, if I um, uh, am a treasonist again uh, and go against the Canadian, let's tell you about another sponsor, Better Than Dot Vegas. Better Than Dot Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. Best part is you'll you can get free video picks from the SGPN crew. Um, you can also get picks. I saw this week from our friends at Top Turtle MMA podcast. Uh, Dan and his co-host, um, Shockwave Dave, are making videos. Uh, Dan's not willing to do any extra work for this podcast here. But, <laughs> but when it comes to Top Turtle, no, he, he'll do videos for sure, of course. Um, so you, you can subscribe to them too, but make sure you also uh, obviously subscribe to our uh, channel here. So it would be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV, and then you'll get all of our videos. Uh, second we post them, um, you'll get – MMA picks for me every week. Uh, losing picks. I gave you three losing picks last week. Can't get better than that. And then you, you'll also get the uh, college college sports, NBA. We basically cover cover it all there. So um, so go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV and subscribe to our Better Than Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash BTV. All right. Um, time to go against the Canadian. I think Dan's going to probably follow my lead here. Uh, women's Bantamweight fight. Uh, Sabina Mazzo, Alexis Davis. Uh, the Canadian, Alexis Davis, 19 and 10 as a pro, which uh, means she's been around forever to have that many fights as a, as a female fighter. It, uh, it takes a while because the UFC didn't even have females for most of her career. Uh, so she's 19 and 10 as a pro, two knockouts, eight submissions, six and five in the UFC. She's lost three straight fights. Has not won, has, sorry, has not fought since July of 2019. Uh, she's plus 205 in this one. Uh, Mazo, um, 9-1 as a pro. Two knockouts, one submission, 3-1 and one in the UFC. She dropped her debut. She's won three straight since then. Uh, never been finished in a fight, so she lost via decision, and that was her only loss as a pro. Um, inch taller, two inches of reach, 13 years younger than Alexis Davis. Striking and grappling stats in her favor, minus 245, and she's the obvious pick for me here. Yeah, I think she's the obvious pick, too. Uh, and, you know, like, the, the biggest problem for me with Alexis Davis here is, right, like, if you had to say, what is Alexis Davis that makes you feel confident in her? You would say, if anything, if I feel confident about anything in Alexis Davis's game, it's her grappling. 
And she, she's gotten three of her last 11 takedowns uh, in her last four fights. And like you said, that that's including a long layoff. So like, and that's even lower than her already 33% takedown accuracy, which is bad, you know, and, and it's really bad. And that's like the thing I'm the most comfortable in her now. I will say I am not sold on Sabina Mazo. I know everybody out there is like, they think Sabino Mazo is like the second coming. And, and I think, you know, like she, she was exciting because she came via LFA by head kicks and everybody was like, ah, oh, she's a killer. I, I think she's got some potential, but I think it's a long way to come, right? Like her first UFC win was against Shanna Dobson and she just kind of out grappled her. And, and for me, you know, we just saw Shanna Dobson can be out grappled fairly easily. So I'm not completely sold on her, but I also think this is a bad matchup for Alexis Davis. I think she's not going to be able to get her down. And I think ultimately the technical striking and just sheer output too. It's worth noting Sabina Mazo has landed over a hundred punches, three fights in a row. Um, that's just way too much output for Alexis Davis to deal with. Yeah. Uh, aging and aging grappler is not going to want that much coming at her uh, that much. Um, that many strikes come at her. So we are both going with uh, the youngster in this one, um, which brings us to, as of now, the main event of the prelims. I thought we were going to have a chase on and Renault as a main event, but I, some guy named Daniel Vreeland, I see wrote that it's that, that fight's been moved to March 20th. So yeah, that, that one is uh, off I, now. Uh, it was originally off cause that was supposed to be earlier this month too. That was originally off because Renault had COVID and now is off. Uh, at least according to Renault, uh, due to a Macy Chisson injury, which isn't too serious, and I guess they're going to fight in March. Yeah, I don't know how reliable that Vreeland guy is <laughs> anyhow, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it regardless. So, uh, lightweight, Alexander Hernandez, Tiago Moises. Um, Tiago Moises, 14-4 and four as a pro. Three knockouts, six submissions, never been finished in a fight. Three and two in the UFC. One and zero on Dana White Contender Series. He's won his last two fights. He's three years younger than Hernandez. He's plus one sixty. Uh, Hernandez twelve and three as a pro. Five knockouts, two submissions. Four and two in the UFC. Um, he's, he's he started off as as a uh, looked like a up and coming prospect in the UFC, but since then he's lost one, lost one fight. So it's back and forth, back and forth for him over the last four. Um, he won via KO his last fight. Um, two inches of reach, minus 195. What are your thoughts on this one? I, I'm going to go with the dog here in, in Tiago Moises. Me too. Yeah, I love him in this fight. Yeah. I, I actually think those odds are, are real messed up, and, and not necessarily even that, you know, like Hernandez shouldn't be a favorite, but he shouldn't be negative 200, right? Like, he's got wins over Chris Grootsmacher, and, which granted, it was a knockout, but it's Chris Grootsmacher, and Francisco Trinaldo, where both men through a combined, combined 50 punches in a three-round fight. 50 punches were thrown in that fight. And for some reason, those are his only two wins in his last four fights. For some reason, he's coming into this fight as a, a massive favorite over Tiago Moises, who's on a little bit of a tear. And I will say the interesting thing to me here is that Tiago Moises took down Bobby Green twice, who, who's a pretty damn good grappler in his own right. And in addition to that, didn't look awful on the feet against Bobby Green either. Um, you know, when he had a little trouble with Michael Johnson in uh, the fight before that, he just, uh, you know, he pulled back and, and ripped an ankle lock. I, I think eventually it was a weird Achilles lock that he turned over. So, like, I mean, granted, yes, Alexander Hernandez has the advantage on the feet here. Uh, all fights start on the feet, all that kind of good stuff. 
But I will just say, like, I think the likelihood of Moises hanging with him on the feet enough to get him to the ground is good. And Moises is a beast on the mat. So, yeah, I I like Moises here. I also would probably be interested just to, like, add a little bit to a bet. If you were already planning on betting on Moises, might be worth looking up what Moises by submission is, too. Because it's totally possible that he catches a sub here. And if he does... I mean, at at plus 170 for him to win, period, we're probably looking at plus, you know, 300 for him to win by sub or more. So uh, definitely look into that if if you're already considering picking him. That is, yeah, that's some sweet, sweet plus money there. And, um, yeah, he he did submit Michael Johnson. His last two wins, Michael Johnson and Bobby Green. So that's uh, very, very impressive for for the youngster. Uh, He went the distance with um, Benil Dariush also and Demir Ismailagulov. So he's... um, his only losses basically are to, to those two guys. So um, very solid resume. Yeah, but we both like him as the live dog here. Um, before we hit you with our commercial-free main card, which is one of our staples here, which I just made up a few weeks ago, uh, let's tell you about our last sponsor, Better Edge. Uh, that's B-E-T-T-O-R, Better Edge. It's a stock exchange for sports bets which allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. You can play for money in 40 states. And sports betting without a VIG, you literally can't beat it. So sign up today at betteredge.com and use promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. So it's betteredge.com, promo code SGP. All right, main card, featherweight fight. Um, Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Kevin Kroom. Uh, who is the hard-hitting hillbilly. Any relation to you, Dan, since you're a hillbilly beaver and he's a hard-hitting hillbilly? He he is not related to me, but I will tell you that uh, when I was covering a local card at like a sketchy casino in Rhode Island, uh, maybe it's not sketchy. Twin River is a little little bit of a seedier casino. Uh, He main evented against Matt Bassett one time uh, in in a losing effort, I will add. And what website would you have been covering that? I, I believe for, I Dan? covered that for MMA-Manifesto.com. Make oh. sure you go there for all of the coverage. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. Um, and it's probably no surprise that Kroom got busted for weed and, and uh, for his last fight also and, and had his submission win overturned. So wouldn't expect anything less from a hard-hitting hillbilly. Um, let's, let's tell you a bit about him first. He is a veteran. He might be new to the UFC, but he is a veteran. 21 12 Oh, and one is his record as a pro. Six knockouts, ten submissions. Like I said, uh, the one on his record is a no contest from his last fight, which he actually won um, via submission, but then he tested positive for marijuana. I don't know how that made him a better fighter, uh, but but that's the rules at this point. So he's that win's been stricken from his record. He also fought in Bellator, where he was one and one. Uh, he's an inch taller than Caceres, and with Caceres' afro, he's probably... Uh, not much taller, not taller at all. Sarah still has the afro, right? He didn't cut it, did he? I don't think so. Sometimes it's really okay, short, yeah. though. Right. Okay. So regardless, uh, I think Sarah's going to be taller. Come, come fight night with the hair. So Kroom plus 195. Uh, Bruce Leroy, he's been around forever in the UFC. 17, 12, 0, and 1. Um, three knockouts, six submissions. 
Seven of his losses are via submission, though, so that is something to keep an eye on here. With uh, he's fighting against a guy who is a submission wizard of sorts. Um, he is 12, 10, 0, and 1 in the UFC. So majority of his fights have been in the UFC after fighting on, in the Ultimate Fighter house. Uh, he's won his last three fights. Uh, he won via submission his last fight. He is uh, a year younger than Kroom, despite being in the UFC for so long. He's at minus 235. Um, I'm leaning towards him, but that number is kind of steep um, for a fight I could see him getting subbed in. Yeah, I, I would say I, I could see him getting subbed in too, but the one thing I will say about Alex Caceres is that he does a good job of keeping space, right? Like, he, he is a great distance fighter. His footwork has just gotten better and better uh, the more and more he fights. And, like, in his, his last couple of fights, he fought guys who probably wanted to grapple him too in Chase Hooper and Austin Springer. And, like, he looked better in those grappling exchanges. The really only, you know, you mentioned he's got some, some submission losses on his record. One is to Cron Gracie. Like, you can't, you can't really count that as being like, oh, he's weak against submissions. He got submitted by Cron Gracie, who's one, you know, of the great jiu-jitsu guys in the UFC. And then the one to Jason Knight, which happened, happened all the way back in January of 2017. So we're talking about four years old since his, his you know, second-to-last submission loss. And, you know, one of the other ones is to Uriah Faber. So, like, yes, are we talking about a guy who's got some submission losses? True, but, but they are definitely easy to overlook and I also just don't think Kroom's wrestling and his entries into his wrestling are good enough to get Caceres down here um I think we're, this fight is going to look a lot like um Chase Hooper versus Caceres only with like a more reckless puncher on the other end of Caceres picking him apart you know Hooper was kind of conservative and didn't get too crazy Kroom's gonna get crazy and he's gonna get stung a bunch of times for it and Caceres is gonna keep fighting smart and people are gonna get frustrated that he doesn't get lured into uh, a Kevin Kroom type fight so I I'm gonna go with Caceres I'm pretty comfortable with him you know maybe not necessarily at negative 235 but like I I'm pretty comfortable that he's gonna win this fight all right there we go um agreeing again welterweights Randy Brown Alex Oliveira uh Oliveira 22 9 1 and 2 uh, 12 knockouts, five submissions to his record. He's been subbed five times. Another guy who gets tapped out uh, quite a bit. 11-7-0-1 in the UFC. Uh, he's only won two of his last six fights. He got submitted in his last fight. He's a plus 135. For Brown, 12-4 as a pro, six knockouts, four submissions, 6-4 and four in the UFC. Uh, he got knocked out his last fight. Uh, he won two his two fights before that, so he's won two out of the three. Four inches taller, two inches of reach. Two years younger. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 165 for him. Uh, I am going in his favor also. Yeah, I'm going to go with Randy Brown in this fight. I, I like Cowboy Oliveira, and I, I like him for reasons of how much his striking is probably going to look a little bit better than Randy Brown's here. I also think, too, the interesting thing here is Randy Brown usually has a pretty significant reach advantage against his opponents, and this will be one of the smaller reach advantages he has here. It's only two inches, which, you know, he's got a very long reach. He uses it fairly well. Um, so, like, this will be one of the times where that gets tested. But ultimately, I, I think people sleep on the fact that Randy Brown is, is actually a pretty good wrestler here. Um, and, and I think against a guy like Oliveira who gives up a fair amount of takedowns, I think that that's a pretty easy path to victory for him here. I also think, too, just in general, you know, you mentioned Oliveira has only won two out of his last six fights. 
I actually think he lost one of those two, too. I, I had Max Griffin winning that fight against him. So, really, I have him one in five in his last bunch of fights. Um, and it's a decision win over Peter Sabota. So, you know, you consider that he got taken down by Nicholas Dalby. You consider, you know, Mike Perry beat him up pretty decently. And Gunnar Nelson took him down at will. I think Randy Brown, as long as he stays away from the big shot early, should be fine here. But he did survive a, a grenade attack on Christmas Eve 2018. So that's that's a plus. That's a plus in his column, is, is it not? I, I tend to not uh, use that when breaking down fights. But, hey, no. No, nothing's been real successful so far this year. So maybe we should start considering that. And he has 10 children. How about that? Does he really have freaking 10 children? That's what it says. It says he has 10 children. (laughs) Then I also see it says that his wife's pregnant. So who knows? Maybe he has 11 children by now for all we know. That's a a lot of kids. (laughs) Yeah, so the grenade attack didn't wreck that part of his body apparently. So that's good. That's good. Um, I guess. All right, yes. (laughs) Um, Moving on. This fight was just added added, uh, during last week's telecast. A women's – what did we talk about? Flyweight? No, strawweight. That's right. Story right, fight. Uh, Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder. Um, they fought once before back in July of 2017, which Dan and I both failed to realize. Uh, originally, uh, Hill won that fight via unanimous decision. Uh, before I break it down, what do you think? Uh, there's no odds posted yet. What do you think the odds are going to be on this one? Uh, I got to imagine not only is Hill a favorite because she won the original fight uh, and has been fighting a higher level of competition since then. She's also a massive fan favorite. So if the bookies are coming in trying to make sure you get money on both sides of the line, I, I got to imagine her numbers are up there in the negative 230s to 250s. Um, not quite as high as Rayoni Barcelos because she's she's you know had, does have some recent losses. But if I had to guess, she's over negative 200 for sure. Okay. All right. I'll break down Yoder first. Who Dan is going to pick? Um, eight and six is a pro four uh, via submission. Um, hence the name Spider Monkey. Uh, she's never been finished in a fight, which is impressive. Uh, she's three and five in the UFC. A lot of those were very questionable decision losses. Uh, I do have to say. Um, she has won three of her last five though, and she did win her last fight, which probably saved her job. Um, four inches taller than Hill, five inches reach, two years younger, so all those are in her favor. Grappling stats also in her favor. Hence Spider Monkey. Um, as for Hill, 12 and 9 is a pro, five knockouts, seven and nine in the UFC. She's had a couple stints in the UFC. Uh, she's lost her last two fights, um, one three straight before then. Um, she did get COVID in December, but that doesn't seem to be slowing anyone down in the UFC. Um, striking stats in her favor, and like I said, she won their original uh, fight uh, almost four years ago via unanimous decision. Um, Dan, tell us why you're going to go with Yoder. I'm actually not going to go with Yoder. Oh, ah, no. I'm sorry to let you down. I do love Ashley Yoder. I will say she's one of my favorite uh, women's straw weights to watch fight. I actually think she's so fun because she, like, you know, you mentioned the names of the spider monkey. She's just very daring in her grappling exchanges. I think she's kind of fun to watch on the feet. Her fight with Justine Kish way back when was, which is actually before the the Angela Hill fight, was a really fun one to watch in, in the striking and grappling exchanges. So I love watching her. I just think here, you know, you watched her kind of overwhelm Miranda Granger in the grappling department last fight. I don't think she's going to do that to Angela Hill. I mean, I, I'd love for her to prove me wrong, especially if you're going to get her at plus 200. But for me here, I just think Angela Hill's physical gifts, her ability to put a fighter up against the cage, work away at them, 
and her ability to avoid a takedown, I think is just so important here. And she is the more polished striker. That That's worth noting. She's definitely more polished than, than Ashley Yoder. I hope Ashley Yoder proves me wrong here. And I'm not rooting against Angela Hill because I hate Angela Hill. I love Angela Hill too. I hope Ashley Yoder proves me wrong because I enjoy watching her fight. And like you said, she was probably pretty close to the door uh, having lost a couple in a row and, and then beat Granger. So I'd like to see her stick around so we can see her learn more because she's kind of learning on the job here. Um, I just don't think this is the right matchup for her, especially on a week's notice. That's right. Yep. This one was just added. So we're going to agree on that one. Um, Bantamweights. This is a fight we've broke down a few weeks back. It seems like this one has been been on the books forever and it keeps getting erased and, and uh, pushed down the line. It would be Pedro Munoz, uh, Jimmy Rivera. Um, we'll go with Munoz first. Uh, 18 pro wins, five knockouts, eight submissions. Never been finished. Lost his last two fights. Three and three over his last six. Two inches of height. Um, he's at plus 110. He was my original choice, and I guess I'll have to stick with that. Um, Rivera was Dan's original choice. Uh, he's at minus 140 right now. Uh, he's 23 wins, four knockouts, two submissions. Um, won two of his last five, uh, including his last fight. Uh, three inches of reach, three years younger, grappling stats in his favor. Are you still sticking with Rivera in this one? I'm still sticking with Rivera, and, and we don't have to dive too, too much into this because, like I said, we, we've broken this fight down, I think, twice already. Uh, I'm going with Rivera because I just think, uh, ultimately, Pedro Munoz's advantage here is on the ground. He, he's a better grappler than Jimmy Rivera, clearly. Jimmy Rivera's takedown defense is elite. It's very good. Uh, he stuffed Piotr Jan uh, one out of or twice out of the three attempts. So yeah, he, he did get taken down once by Piotr Jan, but he did stuff him the rest of the times. He stuffed Kobe Stamen four out of five times and en route to a win there. Um, and, and I mean, he kept himself off the ground against Aljamain Sterling in seven attempts. So really, I really believe that he's got the advantage on the feet here in terms of speed in terms of his movement and I think the fact that he's going to stay off the ground here keeps him safe Munoz people are real big on because he had that big knockout over Cody Stamen or uh, not Cody Stamen Cody Garbrand um but like I think that that's recklessness right like that's why he had such a good time there and I just don't think he's going to be able to put in that same kind of performance and you know I, I had him beaten Frankie Edgar not for the you know not for anything there but I don't think he's going to, Jimmy Rivera is going to get drawn into that same kind of firefight as Frankie Edgar did. All right. We'll, we'll differ on that one, which is good. I, I need some dogs. Hopefully I, I hit on one here. Um, women's flyweights, Montana De La Rosa, Myra Bueno Silva. Have we broken this one down before? No. Have they been scheduled before? It feels like it has, but I think yeah. I think Montana De La Rosa was scheduled with a different Brazilian. I'm pretty sure she was scheduled yeah. with Talia Santos. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what we broke down. Okay. Um, let's go with the Brazilian, Silva, first. 7-1 as a pro. One knockout, five submissions. She's won two of her three fights in the UFC. Her only loss was uh, to Marina Moreau, so no shame there. Um and she's got two submission wins, uh, so both her wins in the UFC are via submission. Minus 120, uh, De La Rosa is a slight favorite in this. No, sorry, slight dog in this one, minus 110. 11-6 uh, and six is a pro, eight knockouts, four and two in the UFC. She, past four fights, she's uh, alternated wins and losses. 
um, and she lost her last fight, so maybe we should pick her here. She's going to win. Uh, two inches of reach, four years younger. Uh, I'm going to go against that anyhow, and I'm going to pick pick Silva in this one um, at minus 120. I'm going to take the dog in De La Rosa here. All right. I, I think she's a, a solid dog pick here for a couple of reasons. Number one, you, you mentioned she's alternated wins and losses. Th- those losses are to Vivian Arroyo and Angel, or Andrea Lee, who are both, like, top 10 to... I mean, I think Andrea Lee's down to, like, 11 or 12 right now. But, like, they're they're both basically top 10 flyweights. So, she, yeah, she's losing to, like, the very top tier of the division, where you're talking about uh, Myra Buena Silva, who, who lost to Marina Mraz, who's not even in the rankings, and, and largely by being taken down in Mraz, just being safe. And I think that that's the difference here, is that... The, the first of all, the takedowns are not there for Silva. Silva is zero percent in her takedown attempts in the UFC. Zero percent. Um, she's got two submission wins by two women who took her down, and were being kind of risky on the mat, right? Like Jillian Robertson is known for being a little bit overly aggressive on the mat, and she's been caught a couple of times because of that. And Mara Romero Barella is, you know, and she's not in the UFC anymore. She was, what was she, like 0-4, 0-5 in the UFC or something like that, or or 1-5. Um, but, like, she again, reckless on the ground. We're talking about Montana De La Rosa, who's got a wrestling background. She looks really good in the wrestling, and when she gets to the mat on top, she's safe. And, and I think that that's the most important thing here, is that she just stays safe against people with good submission attacks, and, and she'll probably be fine here. We, we saw her dominate people like Nadia Kessem and, and Rachel Osevich on the mat. I think she does something similar here against uh, Silva. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Silva hit a submission off of her back, but I think more likely we're looking at a 15-minute decision here for De La Rosa as she kind of grinds her out. It's good. We're going to um, have have a fun weekend because we're going to have some picks that are going to differ from one another. So not a fun, Dan. Um, As long as I win, it'll be fun. Co-main event uh, should be a fun light heavyweight uh, battle. Dikita Krylov, uh, Magomed Ankaliev. I don't know why I can't speak, but I can't. That's just the way it goes. Guys, I'm a writer, okay? Um, Krylov, 26-7 as a pro, uh, 10 knockouts, 15 submissions, 7-5 um, and five in the UFC. He's another guy who's alternated wins and losses over his last four. Uh, he won his last fight for what that's worth. Twinters of reach, uh, grappling stats in his favor. He's a very large plus 255 dog. Uh, Magomed, 14-1 and one, uh, as a pro, nine knockouts. 5-1 and one in the UFC. He's won five straight. He lost uh, via submission to uh, Paul Craig to kick things off in the UFC, and then he's won five straight since then. Minus 315. Uh, I'll be going with him in this one despite the large number. Yeah, I I'm li- actually don't even mind him at that number. Granted, that, that's not the type of number I look for when you're looking for value plays, but uh, I think he's probably the easiest person to pick on this card. Krylov is a guy who makes a lot of mistakes, and Ankalaev is a guy who capitalizes on mistakes really well. You know, you mentioned his only loss in his whole pro career is to Paul Craig, and he literally beat Paul Craig for 14 minutes and 59 seconds, right? Like, he was beating the hell out of Paul Craig for one second short of 15 minutes and tacked with one second to go. Um, He's literally one second away from being an undefeated fighter with some crazy good wins on his record, right? He messed up beyond Kutalaba, not once, but twice. And granted, the first one was an early stoppage, but twice he front kicked Dolce Lugian Bula into a different zip code. Like the guy is pretty damn impressive. 
I actually think he's like a, an interesting uh, person to, to fill sort of that void that was left by um, some of the wrestlers leaving the light heavyweight division, right? Because he's a great wrestler with no DC left, no John Jones left. Like he could fill that void and give a lot of people trouble. And, and one of the people I think he would give a lot of trouble to is, is Nikita Krylov, who when he's on his back, seems to be out of ideas most of the time. So uh, I'm going to go with Ankulayev here. I actually think he finishes Krylov as well. Ankulayev, that's what I was trying to say before, guys. <laughs> Dan me, oh yeah, that's how his name is pronounced. So yeah, we're both going with him. Um, yeah, he, he looks like a very, very good prospect in, in this division. Which brings us to the main event. Uh, it would be a heavyweight fight again, which um, we whiffed on our heavyweight picks last week. We'll see how we do this week. Um I know you interviewed Rosenstrike for this week's Top Turtle, right? Is and, that correct? And, and Surreal Game. Yeah, both of, them oh, will be on, both of them will be on later this week, so make sure to tune into that. Well, Dan can't play favorites then here, so we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see who he picks. Uh, we'll start with Rosenstrike first, Biggie Boy, 11-1 um, and one as a pro, 10 knockouts. The one on his record, uh, the loss was a Francis Ngano knockout. Um, so that's his only loss as a pro, only loss in the UFC. He's 5-1 and one in the UFC. Um, he almost lost to Alistair Overeem, which we've spoke. We tend to speak about every week, it seems. Uh, I think that one really sticks in our craw. Um, but then he, he hit a Hail Mary and knocked Overeem's lip off his face. So anyhow, uh, he is plus 215 in this one. So this is another... Um, Two weeks in a row, we got heavyweight fights with with uh, large odds. Uh, as for Cyril Gann, um, the Frenchman, seven and zero as a pro, three knockouts, three submissions. He's on the fast track here. He's four and zero in the UFC. Um, that will be why he's on the fast track. He's three inches, has three inches of reach on Rosen Strike. Two years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor, uh, as is the betting number minus two seventy five. Um, I will be taking him, but it's scary going against a guy like Rosen Strike who hits like he hits. Well, and it looks like we're gonna have one more difference to kick out this All right. team, I'm gonna go with Biggie Boy on this one. I think Yarzino Rosen Strike is a very live dog in this fight, and for a couple of reasons. Um, if you go back and watch Cyril Gaines' fight with Tanner Bozer, that's the one that goes back and sticks in my mind as being like, ooh. Because um, with like a minute and a half to go in the first round, Bozer lands a big left hand. And I think if it was somebody other than Tanner Bozer, somebody other than some guy, I mean, not for anything, Tanner Bozer, not a huge heavyweight. You know, we, we talked about uh, Chris Dawkins and sort of that limited ceiling he has because he's a little bit on the smaller side. You know, Tanner Bozer, kind of a chunkier 240. I think he's getting down to 230 and he's looked a little better since then. But he popped Surreal Gain pretty hard in the face at the end of the first round. He did it again in the, the early part of the second round. Didn't stun Gain. But it did back him up and make him think like, oh, I probably shouldn't go in there against somebody like Tanner Bolzer and get hit like that again. It made him think twice. And against Yair Rosenstroik, you don't get a chance to think about that ever again. You get hit in the face once and it's over. And and I think that's the difference maker for me here. Is Gain a better kickboxer than, than Biggie Boy? 150% yes. Is he the better technical fighter if it hits the mat? A hundred percent, yes. Does he have the cr- scary, crazy knockout power that Biggie Boy does? Nope, he doesn't at all. And and that's the biggest concern to me because this is a 25-minute fight, and I don't think he knocks out Rosenstrike, right? Because the only person who has is is Francis Naganu, kind of rushing forward, real sloppy, and 
And I think Gain is, is more respectful than that. And I also think that that's probably what costs him in this fight is that he's just going to be a little bit too respectful. He's not going to go chase him. He's not going to pour it on him. And it really only takes one mistake here in a 25 minute period as Overeem learned to lose to Rosenstrike. Yeah. It's a scary fight, fight to pick. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stick with game, but yeah, that was very, very good. Um, good breakdown and yeah I, I could see other other men uh winning this one another it's been a very interesting couple of weeks for for heavyweights things are definitely turning over in the division hopefully they can keep things moving at the at the top two and uh at the top of the division and keep things moving here um and, and get some some fresh blood up to the top there um for a division usually it's just a bunch of old guys uh, battling it's nice to see some some new blood in there so that does it for this card uh do you have have we uh you talked about um you liked someone via submission who was it you liked via submission as for a prop bet um, i like tiago moises by submission right um, and, right and, yes and not because i think for sure that he gets it like that that's not the reason i'm chasing this this uh, prop but like if you like him already definitely bet on him first of all because at plus 170 i think that that's a steal but also in the same sense like if you're gonna put money on him at plus 170 you might want to like also add a little bit to that bet, maybe like a quarter of what you're already planning on betting and just sprinkle a little bit of extra on the submission prop too. Cause I think that that's a pretty smart one. I will also say one of the props that I like on this one too, is typically we don't look at light heavyweights going the distance, right? Heavyweights and light heavyweights, the, the props for them going the distance are usually pretty crazy, right? Like you usually get like, you know, negative 300, the fight ends inside. And and I actually think Dustin Jacoby and Maxim Grishin is a great fight to expect it to go to the distance. Because while they're both good kickboxers, they both like to stand and trade, they're also both fairly technical in the way that they do it. And, uh, you know, yes, uh, Jacoby is coming off of leg-kicking Justin Ledette and getting him finished. But before that, he's got, you know, a decision win on the Contender Series against Ty Flores, a decision win... Uh, in another organization, uh, you know, so he's coming off of a couple of decision wins and Maxim Grishin went the distance a bunch of times with BFL. Um, he, he went the distance with Martin Tybura. He went the distance with Jordan Johnson twice, actually. He went the distance with Similio Rama. Like uh, he's just a guy who kind of goes the distance there too. So I, I, for a prop there, that fight going the distance is probably going to be surprisingly high for guys who go the distance fairly often. And I think I like that one. All right, cool. Now we're going to do something different this week, and uh, since we suck so bad at picking every fight in the card, we're going to have some locks that we guarantee are going to win. Now, how do you, since we don't do any post uh, pre-production whatsoever, uh, how do you want to do this, Dan? Do you want to each of us pick one? Do you want us to do it like based on units, or, or what do you think the best way to to do our locks? Let's go with one lock that everybody should play at whatever their okay. most comfortable unit is. So I, I don't like to throw units yeah. out there because maybe yeah. that's not my, my favorite gambling terms because everybody uses different numbers and different bank rolls and stuff like that. So I would say whatever your, your most comfortable bet is when you're looking to put down money, who do you like? Let's do one pick each. And I'll, I'll seed the first pick to you. Hey, Ronnie Barcelos is my pick. <laughs> Even though the, the line's going to be ridiculous, he, he's my he's my lock. Um, 
yeah, we've we've pretty much broken down that that fight as it is. So may not win me a lot of money, but but he's uh, he's my lock pick. Yeah, and I would say I I so I like that pick. I, I'm gonna go with something that's gonna make me a little bit more money. Um, but yes, I, I like Rayoni Barcelos, and I would say I like Rayoni Barcelos as long as that number comes in. I'm gonna say south of of 400. I would agree with you on that. North of 400. Uh, I, I worry enough on that. Uh, but for my lock this week, I'm going to take Alonzo Menafield over William Knight. Um, I know that that fight is, is basically a pick'em fight. I just really trust uh, Alonzo Menafield, his strength of competition versus the strength of competition of William Knight. And also, if we're looking to, you know, for something that's going to make us money on our lock, I think Alonzo Menafield is a good one. Coming in at almost even odds. And the fact that, you know, he's fought people like OSP. And he's fought people like... You know, Devin Clark and Paul Craig, he knocked out Paul Craig. Um, you know, so he's fought some really high-level dudes. Whereas, like, the highest-level dude that William Knight has fought, uh, Alexa Kamer, maybe, Janelle Jones. Like, not a ton of dudes who I'm, like, blown away by. So, uh, you know, I, I think that combined with what I said before about William Knight being the type who makes mistakes, I like Metafield here for my luck. Oh, very, very interesting. Um so that wraps it up for um, for Rosenstrike versus Gain. Um, we'll be back with uh, the breakdown of that or the review of that next week, and then we'll be breaking down the massive uh, pay-per-view card, which will be coming up with three title fights and, and crazy undercard and whatnot, which will be UFC 259. Uh, uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer, and follow Dan at Gumby Vreeland. Uh, make sure you read uh, all our stuff dan writes for sports gambling podcast.com uh, now too so make sure you check out all our stuff there um check out dan's other two podcasts top turtle mma and prelim picker and read all our stuff at mma-manifesto.com so i think that's uh that's enough orders for for me um telling you what to do for this week so i'm not your mom come on um so until next week um i bid you farewell i'll some Someday I will come up with with a better ending, Um, but for this week, I'll just say farewell and thank you for listening. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.